0: Yeah, what's up? It's Ryan Shepard and you're listening to episode 10 of the Put In The Group Chat podcast It's December 19th. We are less than a week away from Christmas and less than two weeks away from the year 2021. Yes, it's all very exciting. It's been a long year, but you, I, we elf, all made it through. Prayers to those that did not make it through this year, but We want to give you a lot of credit for making it through this year, and we hope that the Put in the Group Chat podcast just helped make your day just a little bit easier. Maybe put a smile on your face, put a little bit of laughter in your heart. So this week on episode 10, we give you a straight-up NBA preview. We go through the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. We also talk about NBA news of the day, like James Harden's trade request, Giannis signing an extension and so much more so make sure that you tune in for the full episode and as always make sure you subscribe to us on youtube at put it in the group chat and on twitter at p i i t g c pod but that's enough of me talking let's get to the episode Whoa, Peace. Up, Gavin. hey ross sauce it up
1: been in bristol that's what
0: they call it uh all right it is december 18th um it is episode 10 we have made it to episode 10 as i put in the group chat podcast as always make sure that you subscribe um we're close to hitting 100 views on youtube um we're doing make sure that you follow us on twitter um it's the first letter of every word in the podcast it's at p-i-i-t-g-c pod And I'm Ryan Shepard and I'm here with Gerald and James. How are y'all doing? Doing good, doing
1: good. Just uh, glad we're making it to the end of this year and you know, grateful, grateful. Yeah,
0: I was going, this year has been a long year. Yes. Um, I was going through, as I was was texting y'all earlier, we're doing the end of the year content for um, Black Information Network and I had to do top um, 10 NBA Christmas moments, but I also had to do a top 10 social media moments.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a lot of stuff that I forgot, a lot of stuff that I forgot. And I'm like getting like years messed up, like December blends into Jan, it, it's all messed up. Um, but yeah, um, so to start the show, um, we gonna get into a little mini game to get us warmed up. Um, so this is the new game that we're bringing out. It's called retweet, keep or delete. I'm basically going to read you a quote from a reporter, a blogger or a media personality. Um, and then if you agree with it, you can retweet it. If you disagree with it, you can delete it. And if you're not so sure and you want to wait a little bit to give your opinion on it, you can keep it. Um, and after I read the quote and after y'all give your opinion, I'll tell you who said it Um, so First quote Boom. um for our NBA preview show is Steph Curry will be a borderline all-star this season. I'm, I'm gonna need you to delete that. That's that's <laughs> some bull. Heck no. What what they mean by borderline Borderline, so like Mike, like, are
1: um, we are we borderline in the way that like Brad Beal was borderline this week,
0: this year? I think that's because more of like, than a borderline. I'm talking be, about
1: like, no, like you can be borderline and like not have enough wins, I'm, but like that doesn't mean you a borderline all star. So I'm I gonna think, have, I'm gonna have to delete that.
2: Yeah. I was gonna say, I think they mean borderline like Jalen Brown, where it's like, I mean, he looks good, but obviously
0: people are having better seasons. That's what I think um, they meant by borderline. My thing is always, my go to is always Mike Conley Jr. He wasn't good enough to be an all star, but he was still a good player. So it's kind of like, eh. So um, that quote comes from 538.com. Um, that is from, so that's less of a quote. That is more of their mathematical projections um, of where Steph Curry will be. Um, I don't really understand that because I feel like because Steph is going to carry a heavier part of the load, He's going to score more, and his numbers are going to go up. But also can mean defenses are going to key in on him more. Mm. Um, but we've seen defense um, key on him before, and it not necessarily goes so well.
1: Yeah, um, hold on uh, on Mike Conley Jr., though. I feel <laughs> like we're going to be old heads talking about Mike Conley was cold. And then people going to
0: look that up, and we're going to be like,
1: eh, maybe we wrong on that.
0: <laughs> Mike Conley is, is solid above-average point guard. I guess that's the best way to point it. He's a. not yeah. said
1: that in Memphis, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, he also played with a good team, so it's kind of like, like... I feel like Mike Conley was the player playing in the wrong era. That is what I feel like about Mike Conley. That's right, that's right. Yeah. But not uh...
1: Borderline All-Star, that's... That's crazy. See, like, I... I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I thought they were talking about, like, maybe his record wouldn't be as good, like, uh... That was one of the things with Bradley Beal, which was like his numbers were great, but like his team was whatever, so they kind of just like, threw him away.
1: Or like D. Book for the longest. Right. You know? Yeah, but uh, those are all obviously all-star, all-NBA caliber
0: players, to be honest, but yeah. Second quote, um, it has to do with the Milwaukee Bucks, who we'll talk about a little bit later. The Bucks will finish in the bottom five in the NBA in bench scoring.
1: Yeah, retweet.
2: I'd retweet that, yeah. bench corner, I don't think they're going to be as good.
1: Retweet. Yeah, they gave up a lot for Drew Holiday, if I'm not mistaken. They gave up,
0: they gave up more draft picks than anything, but they did give up a few key pieces. They've also lost – they went through last season without Malcolm Brogdon. He right. People. The trade that wasn't the trade that didn't go through. So, there's, there's a definitely – also, I just think because they're spending so much on their starting five that – they're gonna be on the court most of the time, and, um, but also, I mean, it
1: depends because you know, Giannis was playing like thirty-two minutes a game, right, and scoring thirty. So, um, yeah. I don't know.
2: They but did. I would
1: DJ. retweet that if I had to pick one.
2: Right. They did have DJ Augustine. You know what? i I guess I might keep it just in case, but like, I I wouldn't doubt it.
1: Uh dang, Gerald already cheating. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That quote comes from Sam Quinn at CBS Sports. Um, And the last quote uh, is everybody is worrying about Giannis getting a three-point shot. Giannis needs a 12-footer or a 15-footer. That is what matters. (laughs) I'm looking at Gerald.
1: Let me me guess who said that first. (laughs) I feel like that's a Gilbert Arenas thing. Nope. <laughs> uh nah. I, I felt like I felt like Gilbert would have said that. I feel like no chill gil would say something like that. But uh uh He does think
0: overrated though. Yeah. Ooh. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna delete that. Um hmm. uh, Yeah, I'm gonna delete that.
2: I'll i delete it, honestly. I Giannis isn't a terrible three-point shooter, but he still has a lot of ways to go before I'd call him like
0: good. That quote comes from the 44th President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. He was oh, oh. With
1: uh, uh, y'all got me the one week. I don't listen to the BS report. <laughs> uh, okay, the one week. You know that's my show. The the one the one week I don't see. Brocker. Well, I mean, if Obama said he needed twelve footer, maybe he needed twelve footer.
2: You know? let, let's let's stop here. Obama was president for a reason. He was not a basketball player. Now, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's, true.
1: <laughs> That's true. Everybody think they know about Giannis's game, though. <laughs> like at this point, we need to put that on the front office, though, because he's mm. the, he had the most efficient season of all time, and like, I think you know, we should we should like definitely like have a have a better understanding of what the front office is doing if they can't build around that and get a chip like maybe the yeah maybe Giannis
0: isn't the problem but Mm. uh, Barack obama also slid in that podcast that Malia obama's boyfriend had been staying with them during the court team oh (laughs) oh because he's british so he couldn't necessarily go home and then Uh, come back so he had to stay there and his takeaway was from that was he was, because he hasn't had, he hasn't had a son, that his biggest takeaway was, young men eat a whole lot of food. He said his grocery bill went up about 30% while he was staying with them. But he was a nice guy.
1: Do you think <laughs> Obama really keeping track of his grocery bill like that?
0: I, I don't think he, I think that's an estimate, but I do, I've heard that from multiple people who said like watching teenage men eat is, I never noticed it obviously being a teenage guy, but I heard that from people. Maybe I'll notice it as an adult that people just be, we just eat cause we're still growing. But I was just more surprised that he was allowed. I just want to know the dynamics of that. Like what room did he have to stay in? Nah, yeah,
1: that house is big enough. They ain't sleeping in the same bed.
0: Yeah. I don't care i don't even think it matters how big the house is that house could have been a one bedroom apartment they weren't gonna be sleeping in the same bed oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey. <laughs>
1: hey keep it one hey. i don't think Barack obama played that <laughs> i don't oh, think michelle okay. plays that uh, oh, <laughs> <school>. yay
0: <Yeah>, okay <laughs> okay keep it all right yeah uh, but again i'm we're not going back to this but again so sasha obama's still on twitter on tiktok getting caught out here <laughs> every, every week it's I like a picture of hers on social media. I don't know what school she's in, I don't know what friends she has. They need to stop taking pictures of her.
1: I won't be real. I don't think that was the only conclusion Barack Obama came up with. <laughs> why that why that young man was staying there, okay? I think that's the one he could say on TV. Okay.
0: <laughs> Moving <laughs> along. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> getting into the first quarter, um, just running down some quick news, NBA news. Um, so if you're new to the podcast, we do our quick warm up, then we go through our first, um, through fourth quarter segments, and then we get into our um, our overtime where we talk, give our little final takes. I know James has some couple things he wanted to discuss about the Negro Leagues. Um, I wanted to talk about the state of college basketball. Um, so we got more stuff at the end, but for right now. The biggest story in the NBA at this moment is James Harden, um, I believe. Again, the years are, the days are running together for me. I believe it was Wednesday the story came out about James Harden, um, about just an inside look at his time with the Rockets thus far. And the big takeaway that most people had was that James Harden, as we believe with most star players, he's running the ship. Um, he's calling the shots. Um, one of the funniest quotes from that story was when Russell Westbrook was in the bubble with him and they, he was running late and Russell Westbrook was like, start without him, start without James Harden. And <laughs> Mike D'Antoni was like, no, we're gonna have to restart. And he was like, I can imagine Russell was like, no, you're starting now. And that's his boy, that's his friend. So mm-hmm. saying that about him, um, but... As we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, James Harden is still trying to get his way out. Um, and I guess the first question I wanted to ask you um, is this like, what, if they're going to move James Harden because they don't have to move him, he's still under contract, they don't have to move him. But if they were to move him this season or next season, who do you think is the best suitor for um, James Harden at this moment? Um, and just to provide some context thus far, obviously they're still doing negotiations. How serious they are, we really don't know. But the Heat have reportedly, they're not willing to go up Duncan Robinson. And the 76ers say they're not willing to give up Ben Simmons. And the 76ers quote comes directly from Daryl Morey. So I'm taking that at face value. Um, but I just want to ask you, what what team do you think is the best suitor for James Harden at this point?
2: I mean, I don't really want to take that Darren Morey thing at face value because I'm pretty sure he said he didn't want to move Chris Paul, and then not too long ago he ended up out of there. But, oh, oh. I mean, I'm just saying. But as for the best suitor, I think if Philly, let's say down the road, Embiid and Ben aren't working together. It's the clear, obvious route. you got to take one of the two. Uh, I don't know if they do that. I don't know if they do that this season. And I think with James Harden's contract, you got plenty of time to at least see where it falls. But I do think one of the big things for James that kind of happened recently was Giannis signing the Max. Because now that Giannis signs the Max, you can't count on him coming to your team. Kawhi, you never know where he's going to go. So, obviously, you have that in the back of your mind. of like, okay, even if we get him, it'll only be for like a year or two. So now I think Harden looks a bit more appetizing to a team like the Heat because now you can actually lock in a superstar long term and not have to worry about it because now obviously Giannis is off the board you got to try to get somebody of that caliber. Even with the Heat, I think uh I think I read
1: something that like um Harden and the Heat have mutual interest in each other. Does uh does James Harden understand like <clears throat> the Heat don't play that? you know, all that being out of shape and whatnot. And, you know, I'm going to get this coach fired or any of that. Like Pat Riley wants to show down there. So, I mean, I just, I'll find that interesting that he has interest in the Heat Uh, after just all that control he's had in
0: Houston. I don't know if the Heat were his choice or it was the Rockets' choice. Because I know he had his initial list and then he said he was willing to expand it. But I don't know if the Heat were on that expansion list in terms of like what he was willing to do. Um, But the ESPN published an article yesterday about the realistic um, teams that can make offers. Obviously, uh, it doesn't make sense to really bring up teams that can't make offers. But the teams that were listed were the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Chicago Bulls the Denver Nuggets and the Golden State Warriors, I believe. And the Brooklyn Nets obviously are, are considered in there in um, the 76ers and the Heat, as we all mentioned. Uh, but for me, when I look at it, I'm, I also have to consider what they're giving up to get him because there's no point of him going there if he's not going to have anybody to play with. And he said that he wanted to win a championship. And I think it has to be in the middle of where you have a heat situation where they're, telling you what to do, which I don't think throwing him into that is good for James Harden. Cause I, it's just too much of a of a dichotomy between the Rockets and the, and the Heat. But I think you can ease him into something, possibly with the Warriors, depending on how much they're willing to give. Cause I think that's a good enough culture where they can bring him in, give him the leeway he wants to a degree, but still be able to bring him in. Cause I feel like Steve Kerr has a system in place where he allows you to do what you wanna do, but there are lines and i think that has to be drawn there i think the only person that doesn't really have a line so much with steve kerr is draymond green but even he kind of understands what is and what isn't even with the scenario with kevin durant where they were arguing with the sidelines there were certain lines you just can't cross um right. i think if he goes to brooklyn it's that's a mess waiting to happen the bucks i don't know how the books would even make that happen and then the bulls he'd just be um uh, I mean, I think if he
1: keeps on playing, he could get stuck in Chicago. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, that sounds like Billy Donovan's worst nightmare, but uh, I mean, he, I mean, he could get stuck in Chicago and then, and then what, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but I, I think, you know, with, with all that, uh, you know, with Golden State, they play defense in Golden State too, so you know it's a lot of different stuff that you know Harden's gonna have to adjust if he really wants to win the championship, which i I don't know I mean, I think you know a good point was made that you know we can't with with um with James Harden, like you know coming back and then he doesn't have any leverage and uh in Houston anymore. So, I mean, his teammates are kind of not not listening to what he has to say. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, also a little knock on the Golden State thing, too. Like, there's a lot of off ball in Golden State. Like, obviously, Stephen Curry's going to do his thing. That was a big thing why Kevin Durant fit so well is because he was willing to be, like, the third option on a night if Clay was going off and Curry being Curry. I don't know if Harden can do that because – well, we saw him with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. He loves the ball in his hand. It's part of the reason why him and Westbrook never really clicked the way that we thought they would. Now, Harden was still great, but obviously there was another level they could have took it to. And because of their sort of inability to play off ball, both him and Westbrook, it just never got to that level. Another team I think that should be brought in the conversation, though, Masayu Jerry loves making those big blockbuster moves. And after Pascal Siakam kind of sputtered out in the playoffs, Toronto could be a realistic possibility if they don't think they can make it out of the East with what they got now.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that because I think the contracts line up right with a uh, because they gave Siakam that extension, right?
2: Gave him the max, yep.
1: Yeah, they gave him the max. So yeah, I mean, if, if you can get Siakam plus, but do they have picks from the uh, from the from the? Uh, I'm sorry. The Kawhi Leonard trade because didn't they give up some picks, or was it just uh, or was it just Danny Green or whatever? Uh, I don't remember if they had picks or not, but yeah, I mean, I could see Toronto definitely.
0: So for the trade, it looks like it was. I'm reading this straight from NBA.com. Um, the Raptors have agreed to trade DeMar DeRozan, Jacob Peltz, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and a 2019 first-round pick to the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green.
1: Oh. Oh, okay, yeah, they didn't give up any picks. Okay, yeah, they have all their picks, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see Toronto doing that, yeah, for sure. And that gives them a little bit better. I think that gives them a better shot to make it out the – East than uh, Pascal Siakam does, and I and I like Pascal's game. He improves every year, but, you know, I think he's not – he's definitely not James Harden at this point.
0: Um, just before we go to the next story, um, the only – just to throw out the Bulls' worst-case scenario for James Harden, um, off the table, is Garrett Temple and time Valentine. Don't ask me why they're off the table in the James Harden trade, but they're off the table. They also own all of their first-round picks going through 2027. And the tradable contracts include Otto Porter Jr., Zach Levine, Thaddeus Young, Patrick Williams, Laurie Markkinen, and Kobe White.
2: Man. So Kobe and Laurie are on the table, but you can't touch Garrett Temple, is that – that's what you're telling me
0: right now? <laughs> I, just, I think it's it's listed as a signing restriction for both, so okay, okay. I'm guessing oh, do God. they have a no I don't know if they I don't know if they could demand a no trade clause. But <laughs> <laughs> who can demand a no trade clause in Chicago? I have no clue. About uh, me. But,
1: there.
0: but going to the next story, um Giannis. Giannis has signed the Supermax. He was not gonna say no to that money. It's two hundred twenty-eight million dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love to be Giannis's, just Giannis's family. Just, just. um, and right before Christmas too. That's wonderful. Um, but oh, yeah, I, but
1: but yeah, they they grind for that money, though.
0: Yeah. Um, but the the. The worry with Giannis going to another team was that it was going to be a loss, quote unquote, for small market teams. Um, if he went somewhere else. Uh, I guess my question to y'all is like, is this a win for small market teams? Does it not change anything for small market teams? Is it kind of just a wait and see? Like, what, is, what does this dictate, I guess, for the Bucks, not immediate future, but long term future?
2: I mean, it's not a loss per se, but I wouldn't call it a win until Giannis wins something. Like, I feel like if this happens, Giannis stays the whole length of the contract, they don't get out of the East. This is still like a bad reflection on small market teams because it's just like they have one of the top five players in the league who's committed to them without any faults, an organization that has shown they've done whatever it takes to get stars, and it just doesn't work. Like, I just feel like if that goes down, I don't think it's going to help the reputation of small market teams just like Damian Lillard hasn't really helped the reputation of small market teams. Great player, but he still can't get out of the Western Conference. So I just feel like a W for the small market teams would be honest, at least making the finals. So now you have something to hold on to.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think small market teams have been fine. I mean, obviously people try to say the, uh, the Oklahoma city thing with um, Kevin Durant, um Is it's a it's not because Oklahoma City's smaller than Oakland, but Oakland is not that big of a market. So I mean, I just you know, it depends. Obviously, the Bay Area is a little bit different, but Oakland itself isn't that big of a market. So for him to sign with Golden State, I think was a victory for small market teams anyway. Because I mean, the Warriors hadn't been good for a long time. Um. On top of that, I think that with, um, you know, with Giannis, you know, that it's a, I don't, I just don't think that um, small market teams were that were that much of were um, that much of a big or like small market teams weren't weren't you know going out. You know, like that. Like Miami not a big market. I just, I just think we get, we get confused as to what's a small market team and what isn't, based on like who signs there. You know what I'm saying? You know. So I, I that's just my point in that.
0: I, I agree with, I agree with you. I think it's one. I don't think there's been an assault on small market teams. When you look at each situation, it wasn't necessarily. I think going to a bigger market helped those players, but I don't think it was like, I'm just leaving to go to a bigger market. Um, LeBron left Cleveland because he didn't like the owner and it was poor management even think he could win there. Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City because it was arguably the greatest, be part of arguably the greatest team in NBA history. Um, and those are the two big that ones that people typically point to, but like, as you said, Damian Lillard stayed in Portland I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Zion and John Morant. But where did um, – Jimmy Butler went from, what, Chicago to Minnesota and then Miami just kind of went where it was. Like, right. Chris Stapps went to Dallas. Dallas from New York. Like, there's there's definitely instances where you can get good players. You may not get the greatest player of all time, but that's not what necessarily drives it. Like, I mean there's tons of people like that went like san antonio had Kawhi; they didn't lose Kawhi simply because he wanted to go to la they lost him for a variety of different reasons sure being at home is one of those but it wasn't the biggest reason and so you go down the list so like the top five
1: markets i don't think any of them are have picked up a free agent um, for a while, I don't think like New York. Obviously, Brooklyn is a different issue. Like, but yeah, L-
2: Lakers got a uh,
1: Lebron. Lebron, but they hadn't got a free agent for a while before that. Yeah. So New York, L.A., Toronto, um, D.C., and then Chicago. Uh, the L.A. Favorite. just Chicago. won. L.A. just won, but they didn't get one for it for a long time and in chicago nobody's going to chicago uh dc just got you know Rustbrook in a trade but nobody's coming to dc like that i want to say then, he's a top five market
0: i would put miami well, over dc i'll put miami uh, and houston ahead of dc yeah
1: in terms of size or in terms of like that like like market share or whatever. I'm, share? but i'm just saying like i'm, I'm not bad. yeah i guess you're right <laughs>
0: But I was just saying, like, I just don't think it's like you say, like, I don't think people are just going and signing places. I also think we over, I don't know what the right word is, but we exaggerate the number of players that are just up and leaving teams like that. Mm. Right. Right. Like there's only like what we're talking about five to 10 players that really can push their way out of someplace. We're not talking about Rudy Gobert. We're not talking about John Moran at this point. Jimmy Butler, you saw what Jimmy Butler had to do with to get out of there. He had to basically throw a temper tantrum in practice to get himself out of there. Like there's a lot of talented players that can't do this. Like I don't think Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell another case, he just resigned there. I'm not saying he's a, the best of the best, but he's still an all-star and someone you can build the team around. Like they're oh. just resigning. Like Nikola Jokic, I don't see him going anywhere. Like, there's certain people I just don't see going anywhere, and I just, I think we exaggerate the problem. I think it's just a matter of, are you building a team that people think can win? And if you're building that, unless you have the example of Kevin Durant, and in that case, he just went to an even better team. So, um, but I'll leave that there. And uh, the next, I guess next, we can, we can start getting into these these over-unders. Um, we're not going to go through every team obviously don't have enough time to do that, um, but I just want to do read you off the top five um, seeds, I guess in this case for our first segment with the um, the Eastern Conference and then we can go through three or four key teams that um, That y'all may be interested in, but um, these are all projections from 538 again. Um, so the top five seeds they have listed are the Celtics at 46 and 26 76ers at 45 and 27, the Bucs, um, I'm sorry, this is like in terms of like their chance of winning the NBA championship. Uh, so not necessarily in terms of record, but Celtics at 46 and 26, 76ers at 45 and 27, Bucks at 46 and 26, the Heat at 41 and 31, the Raptors at 42 and 30, um, and then a little further down is the Nets at 40 and 32. Um, in terms of championship projections, they have a um, chance of making the playoffs um, for the Celtics at 98%, the chance of winning the finals at around 14%. Then it goes from the 76ers, Bucks, Heat, um, and Nets. Who The Nets are listed at a 1% chance of winning the NBA finals. Um, but I guess we can start um, with Celt- with the Celtics, Gerald your team. on um, their do you? I guess we can start with over under. Do you think forty six and twenty six is right? Are you going a little bit higher? Are you going a little bit lower?
2: I I think that's a uh, I'd go a tad bit lower just for the sake that Kemba Walker is not going to be there for the first month, probably second month because they got to reevaluate him. Uh, I like Boston in the playoffs a lot. I don't love them at the start of the season. So, for that, I think I'd go under.
1: Yeah, uh, I had a couple questions about the Celtics. Like, what do you think about that backup point guard situation? Uh, obviously, they look at a Wanamaker. And uh, I don't. And I don't. who Who's starting? Are, you think they're going to start uh, smart at the point guard at this point? Or
2: see, I think they'll start Smart. I don't want them to start Smart. I think Teague, if he can fit into the offense after the first week would be the better option because Smart would provide the spark pull-up go off the bench. And Teague is a lot more unselfish when it comes to shot attempts, which is good for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who I think need to get the majority of them at the moment. I think Peyton Pritchard really impressed me in the preseason game that I saw him in. I want to see more from him before I want to say he's going to be like this big contributor. But I I think their point guard depth is fine. I think the big question is going to be can Tristan Thompson help defend Bam Adebayo and Joel Embiid because those were the pain in the Celtics behind for the entire season last year. If he can help with that, I think I'd be more confident, but I still think it's yet to be determined.
1: So you think like Tristan and Baines, right? They time Baines, right? No. Nah. Oh, yeah. No, Tice. I'm sorry. I'm Tice. thinking of Tice. I'm right. thinking of Daniel Tice. See, they they be rotating. <laughs> and those big white dudes so. You know, those uh, those three in the key guys.
2: They love them. Those,
1: those uh, defensive three-second guys. Um, but, no, uh, I, I think they're going to – I said, do you think um, they're going to rotate Tristan and Tice, like, maybe one time uh, start Tristan versus certain bigs and then start Tice versus certain bigs?
2: Yeah, it's going to be – I think it's going to be situational. I think when they want to go small ball, Tice is going to be your guy. But when they want to defend, like, the more bigger – Guys, I think Embiid, uh, Bam, Giannis. I think they're going to throw out uh, Thompson. Okay. Cool. So I have some Celtics questions.
1: Um, um I, you have questions? I think no. I was no. I was going to say I think the out of all those teams, I think what's interesting is the Nets uh, having a one percent chance, uh, as they say with the. With the five thirty eight, uh, I I don't believe that's true. I think I think somewhere in the five thirty eight projections, it was like uh, Kevin Durant was going to be a role player, right? Mm. Uh, um, something like that.
0: I can go through that because they also do um, individual player projections, right? But they. They're listed at forty-two and thirty. I think the eighty-four percent chance of making the playoffs, four mm. percent chance of making the finals, and then one percent chance of um, winning the finals. Mm. See, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on the Nets by any means,
1: but I think. I think more than one percent, they should have a chance to make the
2: finals. Do the Raptors have a higher chance than the Nets to make the finals?
0: Yes, they do. Really? Oh. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that at all. Yeah, neither I do I. Percent chance of making the finals. Oh. Um, well, is listed as he's listed as a key role player. Um. Yeah.
1: <laughs> See, if your projections start saying KD a key role player, it's it's time to throw the projections away. See, that's why that's why they get on the analytics dudes and. You know, I'm not – I don't try to do that because I think information is very key to sports. But, man, once you start talking about – I understand the Achilles. I understand that. But, like, a key role player, like, what do they think he's going to average? Like, 18 a game or something?
0: So, for him, it's basically they're projecting – So. I think they're more so projecting – so they have him at around, I guess, confidence around him. Like they have him as like an average player, and I think they're also basing this off of other people who have come off of his similar injury. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. I think that's influencing the projections more
2: so than anything. Yeah. See, I don't see him as a key role player. I do think he'll probably be a second option for a lot of this year because I don't think they're going to put the pressure of being the number one guy, at least straight out the gate. But yeah.
1: I think what's going to happen is his efficiency is going to go down,
2: but I don't think
1: he'll, I don't think his scoring is going to go down.
2: You don't think he'll so? Sh-
1: no, nah. I think who else is going to take a shots?
2: I mean, you got a lot of people, Kyrie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, like that's a lot of people to sort of share around the ball. I think that he could take less shots.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't agree with you there because KD. I don't think he came to Brooklyn, your <laughs> max player. He didn't come to Brooklyn to see Joe Harris shoot them shots. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know he he came there to shoot the shots. So I think it's going to be something like a Kobe off the Achilles, maybe where Kobe was. Mm shooting 40% from the floor, but he was scoring 25 a game. Um, I could see a a scenario with that, but I I think he's going to get to his 25 to 27.
0: I think the person you need to watch out is Spencer Dinwiddie because Spencer Dinwiddie has not been happy this offseason. Oh. Um, And he's a capable player, and he's going to get on the court. How much with KD, I don't know, but... Also, the person that could be taking his shots is his best friend and his man, Kyrie Irving. I would not be surprised. I think that's a conversation. If it hasn't happened, it needs to happen. Um, but just going further along, so just to give complete seating for um, the Eastern Conference, where they have is Celtics, the one seed, 76ers, the two seed, Bucks, third, Raptors, fourth, Heat, fifth, Nets, sixth, seventh, Pacers, eight, Hawks. Um, with the Magic and the Wizards in the eight, 9 and 10 spot, with the Pistons being the worst team in the conference. Um, so my life. I, I think in reading this list, I think this is the first time I sat back. I was like, on paper, there are a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference. Yep. Um, I've been telling you. I've been telling you. So, like, one through six – I feel like they all expect to win the championship this year. That's Celtics through the Nets. the heat expect to get back there. The Raptors are not there just to be there. The bucks obviously, the 76ers, they feel like they have something to be with, maybe not win the championship, but I feel like they need they feel like they need to be in the Eastern Conference finals at least. Um, and then you get into that second tier I'm I'm not sold on the Hawks. That's Same. the next. They're listed at 35 and 37. So they're, they're projecting them not to be over 500. Um, with a 65% chance of making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, but they're in that 7 through 10 range, which means, you know, it's a, it's a playoff to make the playoffs.
2: So. Right, the play-in tournament.
1: Right. And I, I think they can make that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see why not, especially since they're one of those teams that have all the time off. And that's one of the reasons, like, I don't I think the the Nets should be fine because they had all the time off, especially, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, but that's different than actually distributing shots in a game, though. Like, that's that's my big thing with Nets is I don't know how much chemistry that team's going to have, like, from jump. I think that's going to be something they're going to have to work into.
1: Hmm. I could see the Bucks coming in like gangbusters though, and getting yeah. one seat just because Giannis. I mean, Giannis is that dude. Like, I, I, I know people are are off of him because of the playoffs, but man, Giannis is that dude. Like, I don't. I think he's better than Kevin Durant to be honest, but
0: he, he, he's that dude. I'm not there with Kevin Durant yet. I'm not. Yeah. Uh you don't think Giannis <laughs> don't is better than Kevin right. Durant? No, I don't. I uh, think he's a better man. defensive player, but I don't believe he's a better offensive player. And I think KD, when depending on how he looks when he comes back, he's a really good defensive player. Like Kevin Durant is not just some pusher on over on either side of the ball with Giannis. Yeah, he's a good offensive player, but there are limitations to his game. Yeah, if we, yeah, but we talking about impact though. Like
1: Giannis's impact on the floor is so much, at this point, is so much better than Kevin Durant, I think. We're talking about the best defensive player in the league, one. Mm. Two, we're talking about the most efficient player in the league at this point. Like, obviously, he's not going to hit 50-40-90 like Kevin Durant, but if we're talking about, like, true shooting and then uh, uh, P.E.R. at this point, I mean it's not it's not close. I think he I think he had the highest PR of all time at this point. And then the, the playoff numbers don't dip that much. So if we're talking about like in terms of building something around somebody, I I'm taking Giannis at this point. Not and KD's one of the best, you know, I think one of the best ten players of all time. But I, I think at this point in their careers, Giannis is better. And I I'm not the only one that agrees with that. You know, he's back-to-back MVP.
2: See, but I I can't agree with the building around thing, though, because it's just, like, I feel like I could plop KD on any team and he would be fine. I feel like with Giannis, he needs the right team. Like, I can't plop KD, uh, Giannis on a team with no shooters because then it's going to be like, all right, so I don't know what we do here. Like, and obviously Giannis behind isn't the greatest player of all time. I just feel like Giannis is, has certain situations where he feels like he's almost limited. There
0: are ways – I feel like there are more – there there are more ways to stop Giannis offensively than there are to stop KD.
1: Right. I think part of that is due to scheme, though. Why is Giannis at the top of the key? You know what I'm saying? And Giannis yeah. is a big too. Like, I think we – <laughs> I think, you know, like, why does Giannis – why is Giannis at the top of the key all the time? Like, why can't you, you know, do a pin down or something like that? You know, um – Part I understand like and then the body types are different too. So I think I think Giannis is is better and more efficient, but I also understand the limits of his game are gonna be like are gonna be the same limits that like Shaq has. You know, he's gonna need a small to to do more, you know, to get closer in the finals. Like he's cause he's a big. He just happens to have a little bit of a handle. So they put him at the top of the key, and, like, that's that's easy for a wall to be drawn from him. So I, I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, Kevin Durant can do more things, but that's just because his body type is different and, like, his game is a little bit tailored toward what he's going to do offensively with his body type. You know, I, I don't expect, you know, um, Giannis to have the ball on a string like that and shoot from 30 feet just because – you know, I mean, what, what about Giannis suggests
0: that or has ever
1: suggested that?
0: I think that's, for me, that's the issue. And I think we're going to see how far it can go because he's finally going to have a small scorer with him. He's going to have Drew Holiday with him. Um, And we'll see how that goes. And I also, and I don't put it on Giannis, I've always just been frustrated with Chris Middleton. <laughs> like, mm. he has it. Like we saw in the playoffs last year, like he has it when he needs it. And I don't know if it's because Giannis has the ball in his hands and he doesn't know how to play with Giannis. Like I just, I don't get what is the hold up with, why can't we see Chris Middleton be what we believe Chris Middleton is and what we see. Like, I, don't, I just don't understand it. Like I don't understand why he's not as consistent as he could be and maybe Drew Holiday will help that push them push that out of him, but I don't know, like the last, the last comment I wanted to make before we go to the um, break and then come back with the Western Conference is, I guess the two teams I would look out for in terms of just watching to be fun would be the Bulls and the Hornets. I think Kobe, Kobe White, Zach Levine, they're a lot of fun to watch and the same thing with the Hornets, like I, as far as It's only preseason, but everything that has come out about Lonzo, I mean, LaMelo and with the Hornets has been glowing from Terry Rozier to the coach. Everybody said nice things about him. And we've seen flashes of him making no look passes doing that. And that works unless you step in the finals and you make it and you shouldn't at a time when you shouldn't be doing it. I just hope that works out for them. The last point I would make, I think the Cavaliers by far are going to be the worst team in the league. Not just the Eastern Conference, the league. Um, um I don't even want, I don't know if y'all have been following Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter has been a complete and utter mess this offseason. Uh I don't know if y'all y'all kept up with the domestic violence charge, the gun charge, the argument with the police. Like there's a lot of stuff going on with Kevin Porter. <laughs> um, in the off season. Um, but with that said, I'm going to take a quick break and then come back, um, with the Western conference. What's up y'all. It's another week, which means it's another great time to shine a light on a black owned business, a black owned creative, just black, celebrations out here we're just supporting black people who are out here making ways for themselves and for those of them around them in this holiday season i want to shout a light on a number of different black creatives and just one ad how am i going to do that by talking about an article i just wrote 12 days of christmas a dozen books written by black authors that you can get for the holidays so this range from major releases like barack obama's a promised land to Andreas Hale considers To Pimp a Butterfly, to The Undefeated's The Fierce 44, to Bisha Filias, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. There's a number of great books written by Black authors that are out here right now that you can give to somebody. It doesn't have to be the boring book that no one wants to read. There's so many great books out here. Right now, I'm reading Ode by Joshua Bennett that my mother got me for Christmas, and you can tell in my voice how excited I am so make sure that you get out here and support some black authors next up I plan on reading I Came as a Shadow by John Thompson that's an autobiography about the legendary Georgetown Hoya basketball coach I'll put the link on our Twitter account and I'll also put in the description of this episode so make sure that you go check it out and get someone you love a book written by a black author today so with that said, let's get back in the episode. Peace. And we are back. Uh, getting to the Western Conference. Going straight into it. Uh, Going back into the 538 predictions, um, they have the Lakers at the one seed with 48 wins, followed by the Clippers and the Nuggets, both with 45 wins, Um, the Rockets with 43 wins, the Suns with 42 wins, the Mavs with 42 wins, the Jazz with 41, and the Blazers in the eight seed with 40 and 32, the nine and 10 seeds are listed as the Pelicans at 500, and the Timberwolves at 35 and 37 on the outside looking in would be the spurs and the grizzlies with the warriors kings and thunder in the lottery um rounding out the warriors in the lottery yep they have the warriors at 31 and 41. and you said Ooh. the th- you said the suns are projected to be the fourth seed fifth seed oh my god well fifth uh... or sixth depending on the tiebreaker because they have the same record as the maps that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can agree with that because I think Ayton is
1: probably going to be a more impact player than Wiseman, yeah. for sure. Obviously, um,
0: the Suns kind of jumped out to me because I feel like they're going to be better, but I wouldn't put my money on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like mm. Chris Paul makes – Chris Paul's never been in an NBA finals, but he's never been on a bad team, really. Mm. So, 5th, fifth, fifth, seed sounds right for Chris Paul. It doesn't sound right for the Suns. Um, but I guess we can go to the um, – I guess the most surprising one would be the Warriors at 31 and 41. They're
2: worried defensively, right? Like that that seems like what it is is they don't think they're going to be that much better defensively and it's just going to be their offense can't keep up with the amount of Pete scoring the other team
0: does, is what I'm assuming. So I'm, I'm reading the um, thing, the little blurb they have at the end. It says, perhaps the most surprising part of the Raptors, um, Raptors is like the name of the system that they're using, Western Conference Forecast, hmm. is how little the, it regards the Warriors, despite Stephen Curry, Draymond Green returning to full strength, missing Klay Thomas with a cast of not so high-rated players, mostly around Steph and Dre in the most difficult West. On paper, it doesn't look like the recipe for Golden State to have an instant bounce back, but at the same time, maybe this forecast is too pessimistic for any team that features Curry's ability to shred defenses.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't think the Warriors are going to be good. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't think the warrior's are gonna be good. I put that on wax. Like I I don't think <laughs> the Warriors are gonna be good at all. Um uh, yeah. Stephen Curry, I think, is obviously all time great. Like mm-hmm. I I don't think he has any more to prove in that regard. I just you know, all the space that Clay Thompson, you know, uh Clay Thompson gives from being the shooter on the other side. Like we're talking about, you know, they do different things on each side of the court. I don't think Kelly Oubre is gonna do that. Mm. I don't think Andrew Wiggins is gonna do that. I think Andrew Wiggins might get his 21 and five or whatever, but I don't I don't see like it being an impactful twenty one and five. And then James Wiseman, he's just gonna be playing because, you know, I, I don't know how much He can really help towards a playoff push at this point. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be Steve Kerr's, you know, uh, best coaching job at this point, but I I don't see them being really good.
0: I guess since we're going there, um, given teams that we think may not be that good, I guess, for me, I'm still skeptical of the Mavericks. I'm not skeptical of Luka. I'm skeptical of what's around Luka. I'm skeptical of Chris Stapp staying healthy. And I'm skeptical of that surrounding cast. Like they, I just, I need to see Luka, and this may be a bad analogy, going through the Lamar Jackson process. How do you respond when defenses and other teams know what to expect? You're still as great as you've always been, but people are now going in this, knowing exactly how good you are. Not just that you're good, but how good that you are. And that is my thing. Maybe it'll be different on a night but and night, night, and night basis, As someone just doesn't feel like guarding Luca on a Wednesday night in Utah, and you, he goes for 40. And I may be wrong, I just don't, I don't see this team with the amount of good teams in the Western Conference as well. There's just a lot of good teams in the NBA period. Um, but I just, I just don't see them being, I, I I think they'll be in the same position they are. And maybe that's not that big of a point to point out since they're listed as the fifth seed and then they'll be the seventh or the eighth seed. Maybe that's not a huge difference, but for me, I don't see them pushing for home court advantage in a playoff series at this point.
2: I mean, uh, I I've, yeah, I, I would say with Luca though, the same disadvantages he's had to his offense he's essentially had since coming into the league and they haven't really had a chance to stop it at this point. So I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be okay. Porzingis' health is a really big question mark. Cause that's been a question for like two years now. I don't know if he's ever going to be a hundred percent. But since we're talking about Western teams, I don't believe in, I'm not buying this rocket type for a second. I'm sorry. I know there are Rockets fans that are praying John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins going to be what they used to be. I don't see it. I really do not see it.
0: You don't. You don't trust DeMarcus Cousins' Achilles.
2: (laughs) No, no. He had one Uh, good game. Two Finals game. That was it.
1: I mean, I think y'all both tripping on this, (laughs) though. I think both. I think both the Rockets and the Mavs are gonna be fine. Obviously, if the Rockets deal Harden, they're not gonna be fine because they don't have one of the five guys that matter. But you know, they both have two of the five guys that matter in this league. So, you know, I I think that should get you to 40-plus wins in the 72-game season. So, I, I don't – Luca had a 28 PER last year. I know PER isn't, like, the end-all, be-all, but that's really hard to hit. The only people who have hit that or who hit that every year, like LeBron and, you know, Chris Paul, you know. So, you know, I'm mean, I- in the honest, but
0: – I would push back on the Rockets a bit just because, even though I don't believe in DeMarcus Cousins, I believe in John Wall. Mm. And I think he he doesn't have to be the guy anymore. He can be a second option. And if John Wall is your second option, that's a really good thing to have. Now, obviously this just comes down to health. I think Steven Silas, at this point, he's fine. Like, I don't really have any questions about him it's just going to come down do James Harden. Do you want to be here? And can you earn the respect of the guys that you probably pissed off? Can you get earn the regain the respect of a PJ Tucker? Can you regain the respect of a Steven Silas to a degree? Mm. Um, Cause maybe you're not looking to Steven Silas for guidance, but the rest of these guys are. Um, and I know as far as John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, they probably think they're on their last, real shot they have not that they're going to be out of league in a second but they i feel like they're under the understanding that we need to do whatever we need to do to make sure that we can get to that next step in our career now for demarcus cousins it's more financial than it is for john wall but john wall has always striked me as the guy that wants to be better um and i'm starting to have questions about that with james Harden. i don't know if he's the guy that true like i think james harden wants a championship i don't know if james harden understands the work that it's going to take to get there and i don't Uh, i don't necessarily know that and i don't know if the rockets know that either because the same way that they've been blaming james harden for running the ship and doing everything wrong and telling them whatever they allowed him to do that it's like if you have a bad kid do you blame the parent you blame the kid well they both kind of acting out so
2: I mean, but that bad kid is also the difference between you being one of the best teams in the West and a lottery team. So (laughs) you let the bad kid say whatever he wants when you need something from him. Uh, I mean, on the John Wall pushback, he's not really been a second option for most of his career. Like Bradley Beal was a second option for a long time. And when Bradley Beal kind of emerged, John Wall had the injury. So we never really knew what would have happened if John Wall took that second back seat. Also, we do kind of have to talk about this about John Wall because we love bringing up PER with Westbrook. You know Westbrook since 2016, he has the second worst PER in the league. You know who has the worst PER in the league? John Wall. Just throwing that out there. Yeah,
1: I think okay. So I think the Rockets are gonna be fine, but I think what what's gonna hinder them is like people people try to people try to discredit Daryl Morey about the threes, free throws, and layups, but. At the end of the day, in a regular season game, those threes, free throws, and layups are going to win you a game. Now, I understand there are some times where playing pick-and-roll basketball with Mike D'Antoni is a little bit predictable in the playoffs. But, you know, I think the problem with Mori ball was they didn't have the personnel to do it. Like, P.J. Tucker is not that good of a shooter. You know, he's just not. Um, You know, they never went to go get a Kyle Cooper or – a Seth Curry or anything like that, which if you have Kyle Quiver shooting eight threes a game, he's going to make four of them. Uh, So that that was what my problem was. And then I don't think they have the personnel to play with James Harden as well. I mean, Christian Wood is going to roll to the basket, of course, but James Harden is going to have to do something besides isolate at the top of the key. Um, that's where the adjustment, I feel like, is. But I think last time James Harden had a hodgepodge of people, I mean, they went to the playoffs. So I don't I don't see anything different from the Rockets. I just think there are going to be some adjustments that need to
0: be made. Yeah. I, I think it's – there's a lot of questions about a lot of different teams. Like, did not a question team in the league I don't have a question about, at least a team that matters. have a question about. and even the teams that that don't matter, I still have questions about. Um, But that kind of wraps it up there, and then we can get back into our end of predictions. Um, We kind of hinted at certain stuff, but I guess we can start with um, defensive player of the year. I'm just going to give you a few names from Vegas Insider in terms of betting favorites, and these are in order from the favorite to the fifth favorite Um, favorite for defensive player of the year is Rudy is Anthony Davis by Rudy Gobert, Giannis, Bam Adebayo and Ben Simmons. I am going with Bam Adebayo.
2: I'm going with Ben Simmons. They,
0: they love, they just waiting to give this man
2: an award. I think it's going to be this year.
1: I gotta go with Giannis again. What? How, what are the odds for Bam though? Cause uh, I might put some money on that. <laughs>
0: I'll I'll give you those off, Mike.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, six man of the year. Um, again, going from favorite, fifth favorite, um, Jordan Clarkson, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams, Goran Dragic, and Spencer Dinwiddie. I am going. With Goran Dragic. Was it Six Man right? Yeah.
1: Uh, who is who's on that list?
0: Um, it's led by Jordan Clarkson, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams, Goran Dragic, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Ooh, it's Lou Will's award for a reason. I mean, if you're gonna bet somebody, might
1: as well bet Lou Will. Mm.
2: You know? I mean, he's got uh, a phone named after him. <laughs> I'm going to go Dark Horse. I'm going to go with Melo. Obviously, they're starting Roko. I think Melo's going to be their scorer off the bench. I'll go Melo.
0: Oh, okay. I can see that. I can see that. Um, most approved player, Shea Gilgit Alexander, Jamal Murray, DeAndre Ayton, Michael Porter Jr., and Colby White. I am partial to Kobe White. I just like Kobe White. I'm going to go with Kobe White. I'm gonna throw one at you. What about Bobo? Ball ball? How about
1: that? Okay. If Bobo ball ball get some minutes, if Bo ball, ball can, you know, cause you know, Mo Bobo might be a little bit better than uh Michael Porter Jr. if he can get some minutes.
2: Ah man. I you know, part of me really is just wants to say Lonzo for the heck of it. But uh I mean, I think the obvious choice is Michael Porter Jr. because he averaged like six points last year, but we saw he's much better than that in the bubble. So I'm gonna go with Michael Porter. Okay,
0: okay. Um, rookie of the year. These are all the likely ones. LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin and James Wiseman. I am going against my better judgment and probably because I do have to put money on it. Obi Toppin, I, I really like Obi Toppin's game. He's definitely going to get a lot of minutes in New York playing with Tom Thibodeau. And he plays defense. Like, I think he's the kind of guy that Tom Thibodeau likes. Um, I'm going to go with him.
2: See, you say he's going to get a lot of minutes, and then you realize Julius Randle is still there. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd go with Isaac Okoro because somebody's got to score on that Cavs team, and he looks pretty good.
1: Hold on, I can't say Bobo twice. I'm gonna say Anthony. I'm gonna say Anthony Edwards. I'm gonna say Anthony Edwards. I like. I understand it's just preseason. I like the way he sat on Luca. He sat on that. So, I, you know, maybe I, maybe I, I,
0: I could take him for rookie of the year. And maybe this is just me asking a question. I'm gonna look up later. But I can you win rookie of the year and most improved player?
1: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Maybe, I uh, maybe, know. maybe I need to take back the Bobo. <laughs>
0: Uh, I know it's a weird Like thing with him And then I think Ben, ben Simmons has the same thing But um, Last award is MVP In order is Luka Doncic Giannis Steph Curry Anthony Davis And LeBron James I am going With Anthony Davis
1: I mean I think Giannis Might get it again I mean it's The only thing that'll stop is, like, Giannis' fatigue. People will be tired of voting for him. It's really hard to win three in a row. Um, That's only happened three times. But uh, I think Giannis will get it again.
2: Uh, You know, shout out to the last person who did it, Legend. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm actually going to go with Nikolai Jokic here. Part of the reason he never gets MVP is he starts off the season very out of shape. He is not out of shape now. Uh, mm. I, I also think a dark horse would be Jason Tatum if the Celtics are really good, but I think Nikolai Jokic is where I'd put my money.
1: See you tripping. See what? See
2: I said dark like, horse. I didn't say nah, he was. Gonna see, I said nah, dark horse. Nah, Don't okay, you go mad me. I said you dark horse. Just, Don't lie. You, you can't just be
1: like, oh, would well, Jason Tatum? <laughs> like, nah, bro. Come on. Come on, man. Jason Tatum is he gonna average twenty eight? Like what? Like, he's going to have to – there's some guys in the league that be putting up some numbers, man. I don't know about – I don't know about Jason Taylor. I understand what you're saying, but
0: nah, man. Um, just to throw some other picks at you, I know ESPN loves Loko Um I, I could see it. I wouldn't be surprised. The other thing, name I saw, Michael Smith threw out Dame Lillard. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know if they'll be good enough for him to get that award. I don't know about that either. I don't think he's going to have the record. Um, But that wraps up the NBA preview show. Um, Just getting into overtime, um, just throwing out some last parting shots. Um, And the thing that I wanted to touch on really, really quickly in a minute or so, the story of Keontae Johnson. Um, Surely after we um, recorded this podcast, um, the young man collapsed on the court just moments after dunking the basketball in a game against Florida State. Um, He immediately went to cardiac arrest and he's been in the hospital. Um, He was in an induced coma for a couple of days. Uh, The reason why I bring this up is, I've said this time and time before, um, and certain things that I've brought up in the past, I kind of retire, like you're not gonna hear me talk about the college football rankings anymore because I'm tired of it. But the pandemic, I continuously have to talk about because it is affecting people's lives. And last week we talked about how the University of Alabama men's basketball coach, Nate Oates talked about, we 100% need to be playing basketball. And this is 100% of the reason why I am now in favor of, if they want to stop college basketball tomorrow, I would not be opposed to it. Um, Again, this is up to the players and up to the coaches, but at the end of the day, uh, Keonti Johnson, like a number of other University of Florida basketball players tested positive for the coronavirus a few months ago. And as we've said on this podcast before, and we've talked about it, there's two things that we know the coronavirus can do to your body after you've had it: it is decrease your lung activity and hurt your heart. And for a 21-year-old to be going into cardiac arrest in the middle of playing a basketball game, who has never had these types of health issues before, and for a bas- this to happen just a week after basketball coach said, "We 100% need to be playing basketball," we don't. And especially, I bring this up, furthermore, because the overwhelming majority of the generating revenue-generating sports in college sports are dominated by Black people.
1: Oh. And
0: look at the COVID numbers. Black people are 1.4 times more likely to get the coronavirus. They're three, we're 3.7 times more likely to be hospitalized and we're 2.8%, 2.8 times more likely to die from it. Especially considering that the COVID numbers continuously go up. This past week, we had around a three, I think it was Wednesday, we had around 3,600 people die from the coronavirus. That's one person every 30 seconds dying. We're doing all of this stuff and we're just don't even have to caution the wind because we need to make money and we say, all the players wanna play, the players wanna do this, The players want to do a whole lot of other things the players want to make money off their likeness and we don't we don't allow them do we allow we listen to players on certain subjects. And then we listen to them on other subjects when it benefits the overall revenue generating body. So yeah, I'm gonna go watch the college football playoff, but I'm feel really, really guilty watching it because there's kids out here risking their lives and I say kids because they're 17 through 22 year olds man. Like there's so much life that you have to live in this kid's life. We don't know if he'll ever be the same. His parents can say he's walking and he's talking and that's wonderful, I'm happy for that. But I doesn't mean he'll ever get back on the basketball court again. That doesn't mean he'll ever have a normal life again. So that is just my parting shot. I'm just kind of, it's, it's just becoming really, really grim watching this. Uh, So I'll I'll leave that.